Section eight of Sintram and his Companions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Sintram and his Companions by Frederic de la Motte Fouquet. Translated by F. E. Bennett. Chapter twenty. Yes, truly, a recluse, or at least something like it, did poor Sintram now become for towards the time of the approaching christmas festival his fearful dreams came over him and seized him so fiercely that all the esquires and servants fled with shrieks out of the castle and would never venture back again no one remained with him except rolf and the old castellan after a while indeed sintram became calm but he went about looking so pallid and still that he might have been taken for a wandering corpse no comforting of the good rolf no devout soothing lays were of any avail and the castellan, with his fierce, scarred features, his head almost entirely bald from a huge sword-cut, his stubborn silence, seemed like a yet darker shadow of the miserable night. Rolf often thought of going to summon the holy chaplain of Drontheim, but how could he have left his lord alone with a gloomy castellan, a man who at all times raised in him a secret horror? Bjorn had long had this wild, strange warrior in his service, and honoured him on account of his unshaken fidelity and his fearless courage, though neither the knight nor any one else knew whence the castellan came, nor indeed exactly who he was. Very few people knew by what name to call him, but that was the more needless, since he never entered into discourse with any one. He was the castellan of the stone fortress on the rocks of the moon, and nothing more. Rolf committed his deep heartfelt cares to the merciful God, trusting that he would soon come to his aid, and the merciful God did not fail him, for on Christmas Eve the bell at the drawbridge sounded, and Rolf, looking over the battlements, saw the chaplain of Drontheim standing there, with a companion, indeed, that surprised him, for close beside him appeared the crazy pilgrim, and the dead man's bones on his dark mantle shone very strangely in the glimmering starlight. But the sight of the chaplain filled the good Rolf too full of joy to leave room for any doubt in his mind for thought he whoever comes with him cannot but be welcome and so he led them both in with respectful haste and ushered them up to the hall where sintram pale and with a fixed look was sitting under the light of one flickering lamp rolf was obliged to support and assist the crazy pilgrim up the stairs for he was quite benumbed with cold i bring you a greeting from your mother said the chaplain as he came in and immediately a sweet smile passed over the young knight's countenance and its deadly pallidness gave place to a bright soft glow. "'O oh, heaven!' murmured he, "'does then my mother yet live, and does she care to know anything about me?' "'She is endowed with a wonderful presentment of the future,' replied the chaplain, "'and all that you ought either to do or to leave undone is faithfully mirrored in various ways in her mind during a half-waking trance. Now she knows of your deep sorrow, and she sends me, the father confessor of her convent, to comfort you.' but at the same time to warn you, for, as she affirms, and as I am also inclined to think, many strange and heavy trials lie before you. Sintram bowed himself towards the chaplain with his arms crossed over his breast, and said, with a gentle smile, Much have I been favoured, more, a thousand times more, than I could have dared to hope in my best hours, by this greeting from my mother, and your visit, reverend sir and all after falling more fearfully low than I had ever fallen before. 
the mercy of the Lord is great, and how heavy soever may be the weight and punishment which he may send, I trust with his grace to be able to bear it. Just then the door opened, and the castellan came in with a torch in his hand, the red glare of which made his face look the colour of blood. He cast a terrified glance at the crazy pilgrim, who had just sunk back in his swoon, and was supported on his seat and tended by Rolf. Then he stared with astonishment at the chaplain, and at last murmured, "'A strange meeting. I believe that the hour for confession and reconciliation is now arrived.' "'I believe so, too,' replied the priest, who had heard his low whisper. "'This seems to be truly a day rich in grace and peace.' That poor man yonder, whom I found half-frozen by the way, would make a full confession to me at once, before he followed me to a place of shelter. Do as he has done, my dark-browed warrior, and delay not your good purpose for one instant. Thereupon he left the room with the willing castellan, but he turned back to say, Sir Knight and your esquire, take good care the while of my sick charge. Sintram and Rolf did according to the chaplain's desire and when at length their cordials made the pilgrim open his eyes once again, the young knight said to him, with a friendly smile, "'Seest thou, thou art come to visit me after all. Why didst thou refuse me when, a few nights ago, I asked thee so earnestly to come? Perhaps I may have spoken wildly and hastily. Did that scare thee away?' A sudden expression of fear came over the pilgrim's countenance, but soon he again looked up at Sintram with an air of gentle humility, saying, Oh, my dear, dear Lord, I am most entirely devoted to you. Only never speak to me of former passages between you and me. I am terrified whenever you do it. For, my Lord, either I am mad and have forgotten all that is past, or that being has met you in the wood, whom I look upon as my very powerful twin brother. Sintram laid his hand gently on the pilgrim's mouth as he answered, Say nothing more about that matter. I most willingly promise to be silent." Neither he nor old Rolf could understand what appeared to them so awful in the whole matter, but both shuddered. After a short pause the pilgrim said, "'I would rather sing you a song, a soft, comforting song. Have you not a lute here?' Rolf fetched one, and the pilgrim, half raising himself on the couch, sang the following words. "'When death is coming near, when thy heart shrinks in fear, and thy limbs fail,' Then raise thy hands and pray to him who smooths thy way through the dark veil. Seest thou the eastern dawn, hearst thou in the red morn the angel's song? O oh, lift thy drooping head, thou who in gloom and dread hast lain so long. Death comes to set thee free, O oh, meet him cheerily as thy true friend, and all thy fears shall cease, and in eternal peace thy penance end. Amen said Sintram and Rolf, folding their hands, and whilst the last chords of the lute still resounded, the chaplain and the castellan came slowly and gently into the room. "'I bring a precious Christmas gift,' said the priest. "'After many sad years, hope of reconciliation and peace of conscience are returning to a noble, disturbed mind. This concerns thee, beloved pilgrim, and do thou, my Sintram, with a joyful trust in God, take encouragement and example from it. "'More than twenty years ago,' began the castellan, at a sign from the chaplain, "'more than twenty years ago I was a bold shepherd, driving my flock up the mountains. A young knight followed me, whom they called Wagen the Slender. 
He wanted to buy of me my favourite little lamb for his fair bride, and offered me much red gold for it. I sturdily refused. Overbold youth boiled up in us both. A stroke of his sword hurled me senseless down the precipice. Not killed? asked the pilgrim, in his scarce audible voice. I am no ghost, replied the castellan, somewhat morosely. And then, after an earnest look from the priest, he continued, more humbly, I recovered slowly and in solitude, with the help of remedies which were easily found by me, a shepherd, in our productive valleys. When I came back into the world, no man knew me, with my scarred face and my now bald head. I heard a report going through the country that on account of this deed of his, Sir Wagan the Slender had been rejected by his fair betrothed, Verena, and how he had pined away, and she had wished to retire into a convent, but her father had persuaded her to marry the great knight Bjorn. Then there came a fearful thirst for vengeance into my heart, and I disowned my name, and my kindred, and my home, and entered the service of the mighty Bjorn as a strange wild man, in order that Wagan the Slender should always remain a murderer, and that I might feed on his anguish. So have I fed upon it for all these long years. I have fed frightfully upon his self-imposed banishment, upon his cheerless return home, upon his madness. But to-day, and hot tears gushed from his eyes, but to-day God has broken the hardness of my heart, and, dear Sir Wagand, look upon yourself no more as a murderer, and say that you will forgive me, and pray for him who has done you so fearful an injury, and— Sobs choked his words. He fell at the feet of the pilgrim, who with tears of joy pressed him to his heart in token of forgiveness. CHAPTER Twenty One. The joy of this hour passed from its first overpowering brightness to the calm, thoughtful aspect of daily life, and Wagand, now restored to health, laid aside the mantle with dead man's bones, saying, I had chosen for my penance to carry these fearful remains about with me, with the thought that some of them might have belonged to him whom I have murdered. Therefore I sought for them round about, in the deep beds of the mountain torrents, and in the high nests of the eagles and vultures, and while I was searching, I sometimes, could it have been only an illusion, seemed to meet a being who was very like myself, but far, far more powerful, and yet still paler and more haggard. An imploring look from Sintram stopped the flow of his words. With a gentle smile, Wagen bowed towards him, and said, "'You know now all the deep, unutterably deep sorrow which preyed upon me. My fear of you and my yearning love for you are no longer an enigma to your kind heart. For, dear youth, though you may be like your fearful father, you have also the kind, gentle heart of your mother, and its reflection brightens your pallid, stern features.' like the glow of a morning sky, which lights up ice-covered mountains and snowy valleys with a soft radiance of joy. But, alas, how long you have lived alone amidst your fellow-creatures, and how long since you have seen your mother, my dearly loved Sintram! "'I feel, too, as though a spring were gushing up in the barren wilderness,' replied the youth, "'and I should perchance be altogether restored, could I but keep you long with me.' and weep with you, dear Lord, but I have that within me which says that you will very soon be taken from me. I believe, indeed, said the pilgrim, that my late song was very nearly my last, and that it contained a prediction full soon to be accomplished in me. 
but as the soul of man is always like the thirsty ground the more blessings god has bestowed on us the more earnestly do we look out for new ones so would i crave for one more before as i hope my blessed end yet indeed it cannot be granted me added he with a faltering voice for i feel myself too utterly unworthy of so high a gift but it will be granted said the chaplain joyfully he that humbleth himself shall be exalted and i fear not to take one purified from murder to receive a farewell from the holy and forgiving countenance of arena the pilgrim stretched both his hands up towards heaven and an unspoken thanksgiving poured from his beaming eyes and brightened the smile that played on his lips sintram looked sorrowfully on the ground and sighed gently to himself alas who would dare accompany my poor good sintram said the chaplain in a tone of the softest kindness i understand thee well but the time is not yet come the powers of evil will again rise up their wrathful heads within thee and verena must check both her own and thy longing desires until all is pure in thy spirit as in hers comfort thyself with the thought that god looks mercifully upon thee and that the joy so earnestly sought for will come if not here most assuredly beyond the grave but the pilgrim as though awaking out of a trance rose mightily from his seat and said do you please to come forth with me reverend chaplain before the sun appears in the heavens we could reach the convent gates and i should not be far from heaven in vain did the chaplain and rolf remind him of his weakness he smiled and said that there could be no words about it and he girded himself and tuned the lute which he had asked leave to take with him his decided manner overcame all opposition almost without words and the chaplain had already prepared himself for the journey when the pilgrim looked with much emotion at sintram who oppressed with a strange weariness had sunk half asleep on a couch and said wait a moment i know that he wants me to give him a soft lullaby the pleased smile of the youth seemed to say yes and the pilgrim touching the strings with a light hand sang these words sleep peacefully dear boy thy mother sends the song that whispers round thy couch to lull thee all night long in silence and afar for thee she ever prays and longs once more in fondness upon thy face to gaze and when thy waking cometh then in thy every deed in all that may betide thee unto her words give heed o oh, listen for her voice if it be yea or nay and though temptation meet thee thou shalt not miss the way if thou canst listen rightly and nobly onward go then pure and gentle breezes around thy cheek shall blow then on thy peaceful journey her blessing thou shalt feel and though from thee divided her presence o'er thee steal o safest sweetest comfort o blessed and living light that strong in heaven's power all terrors put to flight rest quietly sweet child and may the gentle numbers thy mother sends to thee waft peace unto thy slumbers sintram fell into a deep sleep smiling and breathing softly rolf and the castellan remained by his bed whilst the two travellers pursued their way in the quiet starlight chapter twenty two the dawn had almost appeared when rolf who had been asleep was awakened by low singing and as he looked round he perceived with surprise that the sounds came from the lips of the castellan who said as if in explanation so does sir wagan sing at the convent gates and they are kindly open to him upon which 
old Rolf fell asleep again, uncertain whether what had passed had been a dream or a reality. After a while the bright sunshine awoke him again, and when he rose up he saw the countenance of the castellan wonderfully illuminated by the red morning rays, and altogether those features, once so fearful, were shining with a soft, nay almost childlike mildness. The mysterious man seemed to be the while listening to the motionless air, as if he were hearing a most pleasant discourse or lofty music, and as Rolf was about to speak, he made him a sign of entreaty to remain quiet, and continued in his eager listening attitude. At length he sank slowly and contentedly back in his seat, whispering, "'God be praised! He has granted his last prayer. He will be laid in the burial ground of the convent, and now he has forgiven me in the depths of his heart. I can assure you that he finds a peaceful end.' Rolf did not dare ask a question, or awake his lord. He felt as if one already departed had spoken to him. The castellan long remained still, always smiling brightly. At last he raised himself a little, again listened, and said, "'It is over. The sound of the bells is very sweet. We have overcome. Oh, how soft and easy does the good God make it to us!' And so it came to pass. He stretched himself back as if weary, and his soul was freed from his careworn body. Rolf now gently awoke his young knight, and pointed to the smiling dead. And Sintram smiled too. He and his good esquire fell on their knees, and prayed to God for the departed spirit. Then they rose up, and bore the cold body to the vaulted hall, and watched by it with holy candles until the return of the chaplain. That the pilgrim would not come back again, they very well knew. Accordingly, towards midday, the chaplain returned alone. He could scarcely do more than confirm what was already known to them. He only added a comforting and hopeful greeting from Simtrim's mother to her son, and told that the blissful wakened had fallen asleep like a tired child, whilst Verena, with calm tenderness, held a crucifix before him. "'And in eternal peace our penance end,' sang Sintram, gently to himself." and they prepared a last resting-place for the now peaceful castellan, and laid him therein with all the due solemn rites. The chaplain was obliged soon afterwards to depart, but bidding Sintram farewell, he again said kindly to him, "'Thy dear mother assuredly knows how gentle and calm and good thou art now.'" End of chapter 22 End of section 8